0: Good morning, church. It is my privilege this morning to deliver God's prophetic word to every nation, Rosebank. And I want to start with just stating that it's so natural and normal for God to speak to us. It's as natural as my head telling my body. Take a step to the left. Jesus is the head of his church. We are his body. And it's as natural for Jesus as our head to speak to us as it is for our head to continually direct and speak to us. And so just as this morning, your head gave you a gazillion instructions which you followed. So too, our head is continually speaking to us. Yes, he speaks to us individually. He's a God that's not far from us. He's in us. He's near to us. He's relational. But from time to time, he also speaks to us corporately. We see many examples of this in the Word, but I'll just give you one. In the book of Revelation, we find the narrative of the Holy Spirit giving a message to seven churches. And so this morning, it is my absolute joy and privilege not to preach to you, but to deliver God's prophetic word to you. I just want to lay a foundation to say that in Ephesians 4, we find that a healthy church is governed by five governing officers. You may have read the scripture. If not, I encourage you to go and read Ephesians 4. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. Now, I've got a great way to remind you of what the function of all those governing officers are. So if you look at your hand, we've got five fingers. The thumb represents the apostle. It's the only finger on our hand that touches every other finger. The function of the apostle is to govern the church. The pointing finger represents the prophetic governing office. It directs. It guides. The longest finger on our hand... Is the furthest reaching, and that represents the office of the evangelist. It gathers, it brings in the lost, it gathers the people to the church. The wedding finger, which represents covenant, is the shepherd. He's married to the sheep, he guards them. And the pinky, which is the finger that balances our whole hand, represents the teacher. And the teacher grounds, grounds the church in the word, in the precepts and the principles of God. So this morning, the governing office that we are talking about is guidance, the prophetic word, which is a guiding word to his people. More than that, the Bible is very clear. There's a Biblical protocol for receiving God's prophetic word. First of all, it's submitted to the senior leader. When a word that comes to the church for the body, it's submitted to the senior leader. In this case, it's Pastor Simon. Simon. But even here on a Sunday, when you bring a prophetic utterance of encouragement, exhortation, or comfort, it must first be submitted to the leader of the service. This is biblical protocol. There's a reason for that. Because we as believers, who of you are believers in here, please raise your hand. We have a shared responsibility and accountability to weigh and test the prophetic word. And so the senior leader will take the prophetic word with his le- leaders, together with his leaders, and weigh it and test it. And there are a number of checkpoints. We test to see is it biblical? The prophetic word may never contradict the word of God. Does it line up with what God is saying to the leader of this local church in the plans and the purposes he has set before this church in vision? Does it align with the overall plans and purposes of God for his people? And so the word is weighed and tested. And then, there must be two or three witnesses. And if you have a look at the screen, you will see the scripture in 2 Corinthians 13, one that says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. This is our shared responsibility and accountability as believers when we receive a report prophetic word. We're not just to receive any prophetic word and run with it. There's a biblical process we must follow to make sure that this is God speaking to us. So let's pray before we jump into sharing what is God saying to us as a church. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is near to us, that you are a God who speaks to us, that you are a God who leads and directs us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have a word for this church. We ask you to open our ears, to give us ears to hear what it is you are saying to us, Holy Spirit, what it is you are saying to us individually, and what it is you are saying to us corporately through your word to us in this season. We ask, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts That we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be those that hear your word, receive it, and then do it. And we ask you, Lord, to bring forth increase. Let us be fruitful because of your word to us. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, let's jump into the word. So, I just want to give you some background and context for interpretation of the word. Because when God brings us a prophetic word, we have the responsibility to wait on Him for the interpretation. God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to us, corporately and individually? In the book of Joshua, we find the story of Israel conquering Canaan. They're going in, they're crossing the Jordan to take possession of Canaan, the promised land. And when they got into the land, we find a couple of things. That the land was divided between the 12 tribes by the casting of lots. Basically, what that was, was it was like tossing a coin. So it was just really to ensure that the distribution of land was fair that it wasn't jobs for pals or, you know, farms for family, but that it was fair. And it was the priest and the leaders of the church who cast the lots at the door of the temple, and it was under the divine guidance of God. So you'll see here that each tribe was given an allotment of land. The word allotment really means a portion, a piece. And that allotment The borders, the extent and range of it, were determined by borders, and it marked out their cities and their villages. It serves as a pattern for us, the book of Joshua. It serves as a pattern in how to take territory. The New Testament book that correlates with the book of Joshua in the Old Testament is the book of Acts. Because in Joshua's day, taking territory was geographical. But in our day, today, in Christ, taking territory looks like the book of Acts. Preaching the gospel, planting churches, going out and preaching the good news, being the light, being the salt. All that we read in the book of Acts. And I want you to notice something that here, in taking territory, Israel had a corporate responsibility and an individual responsibility. Corporately, they took the entire land of Canaan. But individually, within their tribes, they were each assigned a specific portion, a specific area of territory that they were to possess and dwell in and ensure that they were increasing Producing, multiplying, dwelling in it, building houses, building cities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So let's jump into the word. Let's read the first paragraph. What is God saying to us? Every nation Rosebank. The word is titled, "Let's Go." I hear the Lord say He's getting ready to hand out big assignments at this time, to mark out new allotments, allocations or distributions. Of territory to his people. These are assignments to take new territory or new ground for his kingdom. I hear the Lord say that these are extensive allotments, vast areas of territory, the extent and range of which are larger than what we anticipated, expected, or even imagined. Yes, these are big visions the kind that will cause our natural man to cower in fear and shrink back at their size. But the Lord is calling his people to a strong and courageous faith now, a Joshua-type faith, as he gets ready to move us into vast new territories that lie beyond our existing borders and that which we currently know. So here in this word, we find two things. There's a direction. First of all, there's the guiding. God is giving us a direction, corporately and individually. What is that direction? God has mapped out vast new territories for us to take for his kingdom. This church, every nation rose bank. We must therefore expect to receive new assignments in this season. And they are significant in size, vast, beyond what we, what we now know and see similar to Joshua and the Israelites as they were about to cross over into the promised land. It was a vast area of territory that they had to take. A big assignment. Secondly, it sounds a call. And the call the Spirit of God is sounding to us is He's calling us to increase levels of faith a Joshua-type faith. And then he's calling us to an awareness of our natural responses. These are the things that will challenge our faith, the things that our faith will need to overcome in order to be obedient to him. And these natural responses are really boiling down to a fear, a fear at the size of the assignment. Can you imagine the Israelites having wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, now they're crossing over to take possession of a massive piece of land. They know that in, their land, in that land there are giants, they are fortified cities, and these people are trained for war. Could you imagine how easy it would have been for them to have rather leaned into their natural responses of fear and say, this is too big for us, I mean, we've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. What do we know about war? So an awareness of our natural responses. Let's move on to the next paragraph. I see that for some, these new assignments will be unexpected. These are those who have already successfully taken territory, possess it, and dwell in it. They have been faithfully working their talents for many years now and feel that it is late in the day, as if their job is nearly done, but the Lord is getting ready to assign further territory to these. He's getting ready to stretch and extend your borders beyond what you already know and currently have. I hear him say to everyone who has, more will be given. See, here the Lord is encouraging a category of us who who may not be expecting anything more. There's a saying in English that it is late in the day. What it means is that the day is nearly done. There's not much left of the day. And it it carries with it the meaning that, you know, I've been doing so much that I'm sure there's no more. I think I'm finished. These These are those of us who are faithfully working our talents. We already have territory. We're possessing it. We're dwelling in it. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you may recall it. It is of a master who's going away, and he calls three of his servants, and to each one of his servants, he allocates and assigns some of his possessions. To the one servant, he gives five talents. To the other, two, and to the third, one. And he instructs them, that their responsibility is to take that which is given them and to work it and make it profitable, make more, increase. And he goes away. In these times, this was a common practice. Many masters of households who owned lands would go away on business and leave their servants in charge of their possessions to work it on their behalf. So we... We know that um, two of the three servants start working to produce more, but one doesn't. And it says that after a long time, the master comes back and he now calls his servants to account. He says, okay, tell me what you've done with what I've given you. And the one who received five says, I've made more. I've got another five. I've been using what you've given me faithfully. The one who had two says, I've been using what you gave me and I've made more. And the one who had one said, I didn't think I could. This is my version. I didn't think I could. I was scared. You know, I saw my limitations in this, so I just buried it. But yeah, you can have it back. And it says, the master said, you wicked servant, and took what his won and gave it to the servant who had the most. And this really is an illustration of the principle of the kingdom of God, which is increase. Wherever Jesus speaks about his kingdom in parables, he's talking about a little that he puts his power on, and it produces a lot. There's more. He speaks about the parable of the mustard seed, and he says it's a small seed, but when it's planted, it grows into a tree that provides room for birds to rest in and shade. He speaks about leaven, which is a tiny little amount of something in flour and how it penetrates the whole batch. This is the law and the principle of the kingdom, increase. So God is speaking to a category of us who feel we've been doing stuff for you, Lord. Maybe you're going to choose someone else. He says no. To those who have, more will be given and his encouragement to us through this word, is expect more and ask me for more. Look for the more. It's not late in the day. I'm not done with you. I still have stuff for you to do. And I'm getting ready to give you another assignment to take even more. Don't settle. Look for more. In Luke 16.10 It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Let's read the next paragraph. I see that for others, these new assignments will be unanticipated. These feel unqualified, as if they could not possibly be chosen to do something of this magnitude and importance for the kingdom. I hear the Lord say to these, no, I have seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I hear also the words hand swap and see that just as Jacob placed unlikely Ephraim before obvious Manasseh, when he crossed his hands and bestowed on Ephraim, the youngest son, the right hand of blessing traditionally reserved and given only to the firstborn son, Manasseh, so too I see that there will be be some hand swap assignments and callings given in this time god is getting ready to give new assignments to the unlikely and less obvious in the season as he brings many out of the shadows of obscurity and calls them to lead and participate in significant new works here is the word of the spirit to encourage another category of us those of us who feel it's unlikely I will be asked to do and lead and participate in anything significant. Here in Genesis 48, we have the story of Jacob who is dying. And in that time, it was traditional for the head of the household and of the tribe, which was Jacob at this time, before he died to pray a blessing on his children. So Joseph, his son, brings his two children to Jacob, who is dying, to receive the blessing. It was also traditional that the firstborn son received the birthright and the the firstborn blessing. That blessing drilled down meant that the firstborn son would take over leadership of the tribe and as head of the family. It also meant that the firstborn would get a double portion. They would inherit a double portion of their father's estate. I know we have similar traditions in some of our cultures here in South Africa as well. Knowing this, Joseph places his firstborn, Ephraim, at Jacob's right hand to, see, to receive the right hand of blessing. And he places his youngest son at Joseph's left hand. And so as Jacob gives the blessing, he crosses his hands and he places the blessing of the firstborn that is reserved for the firstborn on the youngest, unlikely Ephraim. And this is not something unusual for God to do. God is continually using the unlikely We look throughout the word, we see he is sovereign. He independently chooses the men and women he will use for his purposes. He independently and sovereignly hands out assignments. We see it when he chose Seth over Cain. When he chose Jacob over Esau. When he chose Isaac over Ishmael. And then remember when he chose David, he was the last of how many brothers? He chose him to be the king. So the Spirit of God is encouraging us not to measure ourselves against one another, not to compare ourselves against one another, not to be like that servant that thought one talent, "Uh, and, you know, let's just bury it. Let's leave the five talent and the two talent people to go and do the big exploits for God. No, no, God is encouraging us. He's saying to us, don't disqualify yourself because you think you're unlikely, and there are more obvious ones that you think would be called up to do significant things for God. Say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. Expect hand-swap assignments at this time. Expect, if you're in the shadows of obscurity, for him to call you out and say, Lord, I'm available. Next paragraph. In this season, the Lord is calling for a Caleb response from his people. The faith response that says, let's go at once, for we are well able to overcome He is looking for those who will not shrink back at the size of the assignment, for men and women like Joshua and Caleb, who by faith will keep him bigger than the vision he will set before them. I hear the Spirit of God calling his bride to a strong and courageous faith in this season, a very courageous faith. And I hear the Lord say, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the charge the Spirit of God gave to Joshua as he was about to lead Israel over into the promised land, as they were about to take a massive allotment of territory. I gave you earlier the head and body response. Here, the Spirit of God is calling us to action. When my head says to my body, Take a step forward, my whole body follows. And there's a corporate response in that, but there's also an individual response. When my head says to my body, take a step forward, it's not just my foot that goes. It's not just my hand that goes. But all my fingers, each member, my arms, all my organs, each leg, each toe, individually, as the members that make up my corporate body, they all respond and step forward. And so what is our call to action? What is the Holy Spirit calling us to? What response is he seeking from us? He says he's seeking a Caleb response. So there's a story in the Bible where the 12 spies, Moses sends out 12 spies to go and spy out the land of Canaan. The spies come back. They all see the same thing in the land. They all see the same fortified cities, the same armies, the same giants, the same things. Ten of them, when they come back, give the following report. They say, in looking at the size of the assignment God has set before them, and looking at what they have to do to overcome it, They measure the assignment against their own abilities, their skills, their qualifications, their limitations. And it leaves them with this response. There's no way we can do that. We've been walking in the desert for 40 years. We were born in the desert. We know nothing about war. These are trained warriors. They've got fortified cities. And so, in measuring themselves against the vision that God has set before them, they lean into their natural response triggers of limitation. I can't do this. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, see exactly the same things. But instead of measuring the assignment God has put before them against themselves, they measure it against God. They have a faith revelation that says, God for us, God with us. And they measure the assignment God has set before them against the size of their God. And that translates into a response that says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua weren't looking at their own qualifications, abilities, limitations. They looked at God. You've mapped out this territory for us to take. You will do it. We will give you our full obedience. That is the call to action. The Spirit of God is requiring of us as a church in this season. Faith that keeps God bigger than the vision. So we need to respond. How do we apply this word to ourselves? Well, there's a corporate and an individual application. And through prayer, we must keep this word before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it you require of me, individually and corporately, and the vision that you are going to set before us? Then we must stir up faith because we are being called to an increased level of faith. How do we stir up faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Read the Scriptures that are given to us by the Spirit through His Word to us. This Word is posted on the website for those of you who want to get hold of it. And then use wisdom... Don't just run out and receive every assignment that comes across your path. No, no, no. We have a shared responsibility and accountability as believers to weigh and test everything. And we do it in community. Test with your leaders. Get the witness of the Spirit. Beware of the Ishmaels. And wait on God through prayer in the Word for what He is saying to you. So proceed with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then I want to close with this encouragement that we find in the book of Joshua and in the book of Acts when it comes to taking territory for God's kingdom. And that is that God always makes our part very clear. Through Joshua, the Israelites knew exactly what they had to do. Look at the clarity of instruction in taking Jericho march around it seven times, keep quiet, blow the trumpets, then shout. He tells us exactly what to do. He makes our part very clear. And he always takes the biggest role. He always takes the lion's share of the deal. He gives us the easiest part, and then he applies all his strength so that we can do that part. He doesn't even ask us for our might, our strength, our qualifications, our abilities. He says, I will do your part. Give you the easiest part, but I will do it. And really, all he's asking for is our obedience. Our obedience. And just as he exhorted Joshua and the Canaanites when they were going to take the land of Canaan and take territory, so too we are exhorted in Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He is not asking us to do it. It is his strength. So we don't have to lean into our natural response triggers of we can't do this, Lord. So when, when the head, the Lord Jesus speaks to his body, us, his church, we must respond. So can you stand with me? Let us take time just a moment where we connect with the Holy Spirit and let us just ask Him to settle this word and what He is saying to us individually and corporately as a body. Let Him just settle it in your heart. Won't you just open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now? Won't you just invite Him to impart to you and impress upon you what he is saying to you? Won't you just give him your full obedience in response? Won't you say to him, yes, 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 Lord. I will go where you send me. I will do what you call me to do. Yes, Lord, I'm available. Won't you just right now settle it once and for all that you will put your trust in Him, that you will measure whatever He calls you to against His size and not yours? Won't you just right now take a few moments and give him a Caleb response? Won't you tell him that he has your full obedience? Won't you be bold and just ask him to bring adjustments in your heart where there needs alignment with his plans and purposes for you? Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you for your word. We thank you that you have given us ears to hear what it is your spirit is saying to us, corporately and individually. Lord, we ask that by your spirit you would seal your word in our hearts. That you would by your spirit and through your word, water your word so that it produces and that it is fruitful in response to you.